Welcome back to the Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino. Join her by our host and star of this show, Tanner D'Agostino. And this is The Sauce, episode 469 on our network. Before we bring Tanner on, just want to thank a couple people. First, Millions. We love the marketing partnership. Make sure you go on the link that we put in the show notes and on our social media pages. And you can click on Shop. That'll let you look at our merchandise. And you can actually hire out our podcast host and ask them a very specific question about their vocation. Get you some one-on-one video time with them. They'll answer it back 60 to 90 seconds. And there'll be a nice uh, intimate question that you have for them that'll just be for you. You can also go on Book Me. And as an advertiser or business, you can put in a proposal to us to sponsor this show or any of our shows. And uh, we'll certainly respond in kind. And we'd we'd love to promote businesses, as you'll see later on in in this message, you can also book a podcast host to speak live, to speak virtually, uh, to come and run a clinic. We have a lot of different options up there, so I encourage you to go there. Now to our sponsors, uh, Jaw Bats, the newest certified bat in Major League Baseball. Tanner's using his M110 model. Jeff Fry is C271. They both love it. Tanner's using his lefty and righty. If you go to checkout and do RBG, capital RBG, you'll get a discount on a brand new bat. Uh, very well made. The kinetic arm, uh, we're using that as well. We think it's the answer to the rash of arm injuries out there. Tanner loves it when he's catching. It helps prevent arm lag when he gets tired and deceleration when he's all jacked up. Uh, if you go to checkout, uh, and again, it's, it's patented, five different patents on it. So um, and our very own Jim Cott, I believe, got his the other day. He's using his as well, as well as Jeff Fry. But um, you go to checkout, and you go RVG, all caps, DAG, capital D-A, Capital D, small A, small G, so RVG DAG gets you a discount there. You can also look at, in the links, Monet. Uh, they tell me they're going to cure Hathead. We'll get more into their product next week, but it's a, it's self-care products, a hair, face, and whatnot. So we're going to encourage that. And then our final uh, sponsor will go one-on-one college pathway program, $540 million in scholarships over the last four years. You can find them on Twitter at one-on-one, your shot on one, or on X, I should call it. And with that, uh, I will bring on the sauce. Welcome to your show, Tim. You're the only podcast host on our network that has his own walk-up song, so I don't know how that worked out. Well, I appreciate it, and I'm excited for another episode of The Sauce. Yeah, last week we started off, uh, you kind of surprised me with a question. I liked it. It went well from our end, but our our podcast listeners liked it as well. Prompted a lot of interaction on social media this week, so I thought, uh, let's try it again. We can do it impromptu. I don't get a chance to prepare for it, so let the buyer beware out there. I may may uh, may say some things that you may not like, but uh, it'll be authentic nonetheless. Good. Uh, so the question I'd like to ask you this week is: You've been in the game for a little under five decades now. Is there a difference in kids since you uh, started playing and coaching? Okay. Well, 
Did that come from your contingency of my former players again? It did, yes. Okay, no. First, correct them. I, I'm only 50, so I have not been in the game for five decades. I'm only 50, but but pretty close between you know youth player and a amateur player, collegiate player, professional player, and then coaching collegially, and now in the role I'm in uh, at the professional level, and also helping you guys out at the grassroots level with our one-on-one teams. So the question as it's thrown to me is, have kids changed over time? Is that yes. what they want to know? Um, I'm going to say no, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking they want more than that. They're probably surprised by my answer, but, um, I'm going to say no, kids have not changed. I think kids, I think they want discipline. They want to be demanded from, they want to have the bar set and they want a coach or an adult anyway, to not let the bar drop. You've heard me say that phrase a thousand times, right? I'll never let the bar drop. Yeah. We, we create standards together. And you're counting on me as an adult to hold you to those standards, not make excuses for you, uh, not hide the mistakes, but you know, embrace the mistakes because mistakes gives us answers. So, no, I don't think kids have changed. I think the way uh, parenting has gone has changed a ton. And you know, we get a chance to see it in a number of capacities. And we have good parents we work with, like with our, our one-on-one programs, the ones that stay with it and that, that are with us, they're phenomenal. We've had kids drop off, and a lot of it has to do with the disconnect between you know, how we approach the day to day and then how they do it in their home. And that's, that's okay. But I do fear for the future if that continues to go. But I would say what I notice with, with parenting, you know, coddling kids, are, kids have become fragile to hearing mistakes, dealing with failures. And again, I don't think that's the kid. I think it's the environment, the ecosystem that's been created around the kid where if they go to a tournament, and they lose three games, they get to play in the paper mache bracket and they walk away with a medal. That's put on social media. It's portrayed as if they've won a championship, and they didn't. Um, and, and it's okay that they they weren't the best and didn't do it. But why why we have to make them feel like it was something more than it was is beyond me. I think that creates more problems than what it's worth. You know, I see a lot. I see uh, parents want to control everything. They want to, you know, we we deal with what do you ever want to call them? Travel parents or rec parents? They're all, they're all pins and needles when their kid is up. There are very few. Um, are watching the game removed to say whatever happens today from a sports standpoint, from a basketball skills, from a baseball, has nothing to do with the parent. It's not a ref- reflection positively or negatively on that parent. Now, how they behave, yeah, kind of is. But parents are on pins and needles, whether they get a hit or not, their day goes up and down. And that's kind of, that's that that affects the kids, I think. And I think the thing that bothers me the most, I wrote about this a little bit on Facebook a couple times this week, but you cannot pay for elite whether you go to an elite camp or an elite skills trainer um, or a quote unquote all American camp, um, you, you can't pay for that. If you're good enough, you get to those things. But paying 300 bucks to be named an all American for a day is not really an all American. So I think it has now to kind of answer the question, uh, kind of cap it off. I do think it think it's made kids soft. Um you know, I, I, and my message to the kids out there, you hear me say this all the time in sports, in academics, in business, a lot of times it's a war of attrition and you know what that means, right? Yeah. Just, just where, and if you're disciplined as a kid, or if you're disciplined as a parent and you teach your kids to just, Hey, you're going to get hit. You deal with the mistakes. You recognize them. You turn them into principles. You move forward and not be afraid of that. Not be afraid of being told the truth. That's one of the biggest things that we have a hard time with, with, players. The kids that are with us that have success, they understand I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm always going to tell them the truth. That's that's the one thing I can promise them. Um, 
sometimes they don't want to hear the truth. And what my phrase is what? Do you want information or affirmation? If you want information, I'm a great guy to be around. If you want affirmation, there's 4,000 other people you can hang around. They'll tell you what you want to hear. But I think if you're a kid out there or you're a parent out there that, that you know, we had, a, we had a great question today and you, you tell your kid, hey, we're going to be disciplined in our approach with things. We're going to, we're going to move forward. We're not going to be afraid of mistakes. We're not going to get caught up in this, this false narrative out there. You're going to have a field day in life because you're going to be dealing with a lot of kids that have been raised to be soft and you, you are just going to be able to go be yourself and uh, eventually they'll, they'll wither away. So you can tell the contingency, the group that uh, my answer to no kids haven't changed. Parenting has, and th- some of those guys are parents right now, right? Yeah. You tell them they better be creating their, their kids better not be soft, mm-hmm. be disciplined with them. Be, you know, don't be demeaning. There's a difference between de- demeaning and being disciplined. Um, but be disciplined with your approach. And, and the phrase I'll throw out there for the audience and, and your, your little contingency is, and they'll laugh because they know it. I'll never let the bar drop. And there'll be nights, right? You, there's days that you walk away from me, whether it's homeschool or coaching or doing the laundry, whatever it may be. And you're pissed off at me, right? You can be honest. You, yeah. you got witnesses here, so you can say it. I can't do anything mm-hmm. to you. So you're pissed. I don't care. You know that. I'm going to sleep fine at night because there's a standard that we created together that my job as a parent is to not let that bar drop. And if I do, I'm failing you as a parent. And I'm making you say, hey, that's okay right there. You can do less than, than what's standard or less than excellent excellence less than what you're capable of. If I allow that, I'm doing you a disservice as a parent and I am creating another generation. But you know, you go to bed, you're pissed off. I mean, that's part of the dynamic of our relationship. Sometimes, you know, I don't care. I'm going to sleep perfectly fine. But if I don't do something about it um, and you figure that out one year, two years, 30 years from now, you should be mad at me because you knew I knew how to do it the right way. And I was just not strong enough to show you. So that's kind of my message to that back. You can, we can send them a, a, the first 10 minutes of the podcast and they can hear there. But the answer is no, parenting's changed. You heard my narrative on it. So, but I got a question for you. Um, you and I were watching, uh, we watch college basketball all the time. We enjoy it. And one of my favorites, because I got a chance to experience him as a camper and as a coach at Five Star was Rick Pitino. Forget his scruples. Forget what you know about him. Think about him. I'm talking to the audience, not you. One of, one of the best basketball minds ever, very innovative. He's monomaniacal. I mean, he, he, he spews venom. He wants to win, and he, he'll push, 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 push. We had a press conference this week, and he basically attacked his players on the press conference. And, you know, we haven't discussed this yet, so this is authentic for the air, but what were your thoughts when you heard him, if any, maybe you didn't think anything of it, when you heard him, attack his players. He said this was the worst coaching experience of his lifetime. That's well, that's fairly dramatic. Yeah. Well, originally I thought maybe he handled that in private, but I'm pretty sure he's already done that. I don't think his first course of action would be going on a press conference and start talking about, about his players. <laughs> so it's a good point. So it's probably not the first time they've heard it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, that's a good point. That's funny, actually. So th- that's my first thing. Uh, I don't know what happened be- behind the scenes. I don't know well, what they did to, or if they were mouthing off at him or what happened, but I, I don't think anything of it. I think Rick Pitino's who he is. I think he, uh, he's not doing anything out of character. Okay. So, you know, they knew what they were getting, right? Let the yeah. buyer beware. They, I'm, I'm sure they, he's a, he's a kingmaker. He, he sends guys to the pro level and he wins championships and he does it his way. 
and you're right. He is, he is who he is. There's not like, so three things stood out from your comment there. One great point that that's probably not the first time they heard it. So I don't think anybody was shocked probably right by the message. Like he's unhappy with us. I'm sure that was the boiling point. Second, it was no surprise to people who follow him, know him, watch him, that he is is capable of that. Where he's yeah. he's gonna he's gonna go off and he's he's a button pusher um, with that. And and the third thing is, I don't think any of those players went there under the contention that, hey, he's a sweet guy. Now you win, he's sweet probably mm-hmm. for short term, but I would imagine he's more uh, uh, as you hear me say a lot. We won't accept in victory what we we refuse to accept in defeat. So he's probably more insufferable when they win, yeah, because he knows there's complacency that's going to set in. So um, there was we watched game day a little bit today. Mm-hmm. You heard uh, Jay Billis kind of rode the fence. Mm-hmm. He said, as media people, we want them to be real with us, and then when they are real, we knock them down. How, how do you how do you feel about that? What's that that statement? Well. I don't get why media people are mad. Uh, I get what Jay Billis is saying. Jay Billis knows what he's talking about. As a media person, I don't. I get why you would criticize it, but I don't get why you'd be mad. Well, again, we 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 have a rare media person on our podcast network with Kevin Kernan who actually played, so he he's a little different. So we exclude him. But yeah, most of the media people haven't played, so they're easily offended. But they get write ups nowadays based on the dramatic. So. They do. They set them up and then they're appalled like, wow, how could this guy that just finished this defeat, he's three seconds after it and he's raw still. So when you poke and prod, he's going to say something. Doesn't excuse, you know, if, 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 he, if he felt he did it wrong or if the players did, but um, he did come back and apologize. I think it was the next day or the day after. Say he handled it the wrong way. That stuff should have been done in private. He was raw. So he... He didn't. He didn't backtrack on how he felt. Mm-hmm. He just kind of backtracked on how he handled it. I believe he was fully aware of how he handled it. Yeah. I believe he knew he was going to have to backtrack, and I believe that that was a an ultimatum to those guys there. In my opinion, mm-hmm. we're in the world of the transfer portal. He brought in eleven guys, I think, this year. Yeah, his first late. There's potential for mistakes. So he questioned his recruiting process. He questioned, hey. You know, apparently I'm not doing something right. These guys, it took me a month to teach them a bounce pass. Mm-hmm. They couldn't pick it up. But that's on them. I mean, they, 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 that's not that hard. We could we could teach a five-year-old down the street the way, the way to throw it. They've got to willingly comply mm-hmm. to this stuff. So I think it was premeditated. I really do. I think he was pissed. I think he knew what he was doing. And I think he did it. But in terms of the the less uh, premeditated coach, yeah. what's your thoughts on if if you and I had a problem? I'm coaching you, and would you be disappointed in me if I called you out publicly like that? You and me now. Not we're not talking Rick Pitino. If I, mm, that's tough. That's why I asked it. Yeah. So if I had, it depends. If I had done something that I knew was bad, like if I was defying you, like for instance, not knowing how to throw a bounce pass. Well, that's not defiance. That's incompetence. Yeah, incompetence, defiance, whatever. I feel like me, like obviously, I have a, I'm, I'm a person. I would, I would feel somewhat mad in the beginning, but I feel like I'd get over it and I'd uh, understand why you would do that. Why? Why would you get over it? Because 
I know that you never do anything to hurt me. I know that Rick Pitino's players know that they'd probably know he'd never do anything to hurt them. You always have my best interest in heart, and I, and I know that. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of a reason why I would do that. I, I don't know. And again, we're talking specific. You and I, um, you audience full. He, uh, Tanner plays for our, our one-on-one programs. He plays up, plays for our high school team as an eighth grader with basketball, and plays for our high school baseball team as an eighth grader as well. Does very well for us. Uh, but I'm hard on him, and we have our little thing. Like when I'm. Even though you're one of the younger guys, when I'm getting on you and our, our players kind of know, so I got to change my cues. When it's about you, it's T. When I say T, you know I'm talking to you mm-hmm. in practice. When I say Tanner, you know that message is for the team. And you do a good job of ratcheting it up. You, 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 you listen, and they know you work hard, so they know if I'm jumping on you that, oh, boy, what does he think about us right now? But I don't know that I would get to that point with you only because you respond to me. Um, I don't have to raise my voice at you. I don't have to, I just have to tell you now. And we've, you know, we've been, we've worked together for a long time. So that, that's the point you hope to get at. These guys are all new to Patino. So now I looked at it in the other way. Nobody brought this up. What if a player on St. John's called him out in the press conference? Would that be inappropriate? Or if they said, Hey, we come to play every day, we come to play every night, but our game plans are terrible. Or we come that we were doing great. And then, Coach Patino decided to start coaching. How would that be received? Well, I, I think that would be excuse making, and at the very least, and uh, it doesn't make much sense to me. It's inappropriate. Do that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think very... there's a person out there that wouldn't say that's inappropriate. Like yeah. that, you don't do that. Um, so that's that's kind of you know the people. I, I know I'm going to get asked that in one of my questions. I peaked already mm-hmm. in, in Facebook for tomorrow, but I'm going to get asked that question, and I won't answer it totally now. But I'll just kind of say. Part of the problem I think kids have right now, so you asked if kids are different. I said, no, I'm going to tell you one way they are different. This is because of parenting. The coach is not your friend. The coach is not your buddy. The coach is not your equal. So to to do that to me would be insubordinate, would be a, a clear, a gross uh, violation of that relationship to know like, hey, listen, I get it, that we're not on the same level. His job is to coach. My job is to do. Um, so I kind of te- it made me look a little bit more introspectively about why that would be necessary for that. But nobody knows outside of Rick Pitino why he did it, and I think that's okay. Um, and it's his his locker room. I didn't like what Seth Greenberg said today. Yeah. Seth Greenberg came out as the champion of all New York City AAU players, coaches, handlers. He called them. And he said he got a couple of calls, didn't name names, which I love anonymous, that the people in the city now, we know St. John's is going to thrive if they keep the city kids home, that Rick Pitino is going to have to do something different to win their trust back for calling out their players. And no city kids going to want to go to St. John's now after that. Um, did you hear Did you hear that? I did, yeah. What were your thoughts on that? I thought that didn't make much sense. I don't think there's any... There's maybe four coaches that are coaching right now that match up with what Rick Pitino does. and You put him on your Mount Rushmore last yeah. week. And Rick Pitino as a coach is one of the best in the country. So for him to make a statement at a press conference after a, after a pretty emotional loss, I can't I can't see why that any kid would be like, I'm never going there. I thought, I thought it was another dramatic. Usually Jay Will is the one that does the dramatic statements, mm-hmm. but Greenberg was big on it this week. Um, 
I can't imagine he's the sounding board for all New York City handlers seeing, um, you know, how he's been out of that, that portion of the game for over a decade now. And uh, Rick Pitino has built bank there. So I have to imagine that he's, again, he's, he's not fly by the seat of your pants. He's well, well thought out and meditated. So I thought that was a laughable comment. It can be real yeah. with other people. But uh, and it is a tight network out there, and the world does travel. But if the kids that he's going to get can't handle his coaching, then stay home, right? What does he care? Yeah, where they're from. If they can't handle what he's doing, then why does he care? And if people around those kids are so fragile that they can't handle, hey, these kids aren't producing. Who cares? Keep them home. Go somewhere else. We'll beat you. So I don't know. Was there anything else on that that you you saw outside of? Uh, Danny Hurley, we got the, we're going to get into our matchups now. Yeah. Okay. Now we, we, uh, we watched a little bit. I think UConn plays Villanova today, but we saw Danny Hurley and I don't even know if they're on your, your list. If you want to start there or not with Villanova, you want to start somewhere else. Uh, we can start with Villanova. Villanova, then. UConn. So Danny Hurley, they cut, they, you know, his dad, Bobby Hurley, his other, his brother, Bobby out of Arizona state dad built St. Anthony's eight. They talked about UConn being an extension of what he built at St. Anthony's. Mm-hmm. Um, number, they're number one in the country right now. Yeah. But, but yet, the analytics bracketology have them as number three, the number th- the third number one seat. So right right in front of uh, Arizona, um, behind Purdue and Houston right now. So um, so you got UConn, Villanova. Used to be a tough matchup. Yeah. Uh, they've dropped a little bit. Uh, you know, with, with coaching change, things happen, especially with the portal, things drop it. UConn saw three guys go to the NBA off that roster that won a national title this year. What, what's your thoughts on them repeating? Who's the key players to watch? What's the game keys today? And it's at UConn, correct? So the game keys for UConn is they're the best rebounding team in the country. Villanova's got to crash the boards, something that Marquette didn't do last uh, last week, which is why they got blown out. Villanova's going to have to stop UConn from crashing the boards. And a player for UConn that I think is going to have a big day, Tristan Newton. He averages, he leads their team in points, 15 points per game. Leads their team in rebounds with seven, and then leads their team in assists with six. So he's by far probably their best player. That's a player to watch for uh, UConn. Now, when you when you talk about rebounding to Villanova, UConn, UConn's really good at rebounding on the defensive side because they don't allow dribble penetration. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't get caught over rotating. And when you're in position, you know, when you have, we talk, talk about alignment and assignment defensively, if you're aligned right, you're where you're supposed to be and you know what you're supposed to do, that blockout becomes just a battle of wills. Mm-hmm. That guy's trying to get the ball. All you got to do is be, stay between him and the basket. Um, they, they refuse to give up second shots. Now, on the other end, the offensive end, I don't know – I mean, I think Houston's really good too. Um, we'll talk about them, but they do a really good job of four to the glass, one back mm-hmm. every time. And they rebound three to the weak side if you watch them. And their guys refuse to get caught between the shoulder blades of the defense, meaning in a word, audio show. But they get to the side of the shoulder, the guy trying to block them out. That's all they do. And they're active with their hands, keeping that ball alive. So he's got them playing like rabid dogs right now. And Regardless of what bracketology says, I have not seen – again, we were watching Houston before we came out here against Baylor. 
but uh, I haven't seen a, a tougher team on both ends of the court. And they did pick up a good transfer in the transfer portal too. So Hurley's got them playing really well, yeah. really well. So we get, what do you got on? Did I cut you off on that game, the uh, the Big East battle? No. Nah, uh, obviously, as I said, Villanova's got to crash the boards, and a guy that's got to do it is Eric Dixon. He leads their team in points with 16 per game, and he uh, he's second in their team in rebounds with six. So he's he's going to have to have a big day. He's a six eight forward. He's a senior. Big boy, right? Yeah. What's he two two fifty something? Two fifty five. Yeah. So he's not a, he's not a slender swing player. He's one no. of those undersized power forwards. So he's he's the key. So those are the two key guys to the game again. Yeah. Okay, good Big East matchup. What time's that one on? Um, eight o'clock. Oh, okay, night time. Good. Um, and game game day was there today. Who's your next matchup? There, you going to the Big Twelve? Uh, we're going to SEC. SEC. So Alabama. Alabama's going to play Kentucky. Kentucky's today your four. game every week. Yeah. Well, Kentucky's at a tough schedule. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're in the SEC. This one's going to be interesting because it's a battle of Alabama's got a great defense. Kentucky's got a great offense. So yeah. that's going to be a fun uh, story to watch. Alabama's defense, That where do they rank nationally defensive efficiency? Are they tops? Yeah, I think they're number one. Number one. Okay. And, uh, you know, we're, we're talking, talking Hurley. He was Bobby Hurley's assistant at Buffalo. And he was Bobby's assistant, I believe, when they went to Arizona State. And then he took the Alabama. No, no, he stayed at Buffalo. And then he did well there and took the Alabama job. So done a tremendous job. They're a great three-point shooting team too, right? Well over 35% on the year. They they spread them out. And unranked in the beginning. And they're just they're top in the SEC right now, correct? Yeah. I didn't so, mean to steal your thunder there. Go ahead. So for uh, Kentucky, a player to watch is Antonio Reeves. Six 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 guard. He's a senior, skinny, uh, one ninety five. So that's that. The uh, nineteen points per game, yes. four four uh four rebounds per game. That's a player to watch for Kentucky. He's a senior as well. So you know, what I like for Kentucky. Can I tell you? Yeah, I like Shepard, uh, and I like Wagner today. Mm-hmm. Now, the last they got upset by LSU last week at the buzzer, or this past week at the buzzer. Kentucky yeah. did. Wagner was non-existent defensively. He's got the ability to guard. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, Dewan Wagner's son, Milt Wagner's grandson. Dewan Wagner, the draft pick right before LeBron James for Cleveland, had some health issues, played for John Calipari at Memphis, I believe. And then uh, Milt was on that staff, uh, former LSU All-American. But the uh, the Wagner kids got a show. Shepard I love. You know, his his father and mother were both good players at Kentucky. He is, in my mind, he's going to be a lottery pick this year if he comes out. Freshman guard, uh, understated defensively, takes clutch shots for him. I think a little bit more, even more seasoned than Tyler Hero was as a freshman. He kind of reminds me of that athleticism, but he's a stronger kid. I think better in the defenseman. But Hero was a – he took the tough shots. He wasn't afraid. And this kid, I think, is fearless too. So you, But you like uh, – Reeves. Reeves, okay. Who, and who are we looking at on – on Alabama. Uh, Alabama, Mark Sears. Oh, yeah. Uh, senior guard, 6'1", averaging 20 points per game, 4.5 rebounds and 4 assists. So uh, look for him to have a big day. Kentucky's defense has been spotty Very this spotty. year. So look for him to score a lot of points. And this game is in, in Rupp? This game, I believe, is at Kentucky. Yeah. So it's two, two good guys to watch, two future NBA guys. Now are we going to the Big 12? Uh, yeah. Okay. And that's the game on right now as we're yeah. doing this pod. So, Houston is playing Baylor right now. 
that that one looked like a blowout. It's coming out of the wire right now. A big guy having a big game today is, uh, for Houston is Juwan Roberts. Start out hot, fifteen points t- uh, th- today. He's got five steals, two blocks, and five re- and six rebounds. Sorry. So that that uh, that's a guy for Houston having a big day. Does does Houston remind you of UConn? Yeah. In what way? Uh, I believe uh, they're big, athletic, and they rebound the ball. Yeah. I uh, I've been waiting on them to do something. You know, I give Kelvin Sampson a lot of credit for what he's built there. He built it at Indiana unceremoniously. Got you know had to leave some NCAA violations, uh, but he's always been a great defensive coach. I think he's found his groove there at Houston. And I, I'd love to see them. I'd love to see them and UConn make a strong run. We're in a copycat world. All of a sudden, next year, everybody will be strong man-to-man defensive teams and rebound the ball. That would be a wonderful world for us to live in. What do you got next? And or are we still on there? We're still on the. So another a guy that leading the comeback for uh, Baylor is uh, Jacoby Walter. He's a freshman, twenty-one points today, having a big day. And uh, this game just got cut to a. One point game, I believe. So. They, they were a fifteen point dog, I think. Yeah, they yeah. they were down by fifteen during yeah. the game. Uh, you know, Baylor's number eleven currently in the country. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, Houston's number two. Number two. Baylor was a lot like Alabama, unranked, but I don't think he can count out uh, Drew as a coach, Scott Drew, because he he understood he gets his guys to guard the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. The teams that are going to win in the postseason, they get their guys to guard, they get them to box out and rebound, and they take good shots, and that's. That's uh, the name of the game. And, again, they get more easy shots. Some of that comes up from guarding because you get steals. Others come up from offensive rebounding because you'll go after the glass because you take good first shots and get good ball movement, good player movement. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Houston-Baylor, it's a good one. That one is at Baylor. Um, yeah. So, a win on the road for Houston there would be big. I don't care how much they were favored by. That's a tough place to play and win. So, what else you got here? What's our next – is that our, that our last college game? Uh, yeah. Okay, so we're heading to the – NBA. Yep. So, may I make a comment on offensive basketball? Yeah. Little post on the Facebook, and then I'll let you get to the NBA. A um, lot of questions about the dribble, 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 dribble stuff people mm-hmm. do, and the message to kids out there, and you'll 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 nod when I say this. I hope is that when you're away from the ball, you should be surveying the court, seeing where everybody is. So when you catch the ball. Your first look is where, Tanner, when you catch the ball? The rim. To the rim because you can see everything else peripherally. That's the most open you're going to be. Look to them. doesn't mean shoot the ball, especially you bad shooters out there. Don't shoot the ball. But that gives you an opportunity to make the next open pass or to read that gap if there's a drive situation uh, for you to go. But uh, I don't see that happening at the college level. I don't see it happening. Guys are a little bit more stationary at the NBA level, but their first instinct when they catch is, boom, that thing's – Hitting the ground, and I I I, term, I termed a coined a phrase. It's called accidental offense, where they have no idea where they're going. Just putting the head down and going, spin, spin, spin. It's fun, you know, fun to watch the guys like Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving and these guys, LeBron James, make plays. But um, it's teaching our young kids that that's the way basketball is to be played, and they're not those guys. The same thing we go through in baseball. They're not twenty-five to thirty-year-old men doing this. There's no twenty-four second shot clock. You know, do, do the easy thing. Play the game with two hands. Make the next open pass. Coaches out there, please teach shot selection and spacing. Handling the ball with care. Um, God, that's my. I'm off the soapbox now. Back to you. Yeah. When that, uh, on that same point, actually, that's 
college basketball is completely different than NBA basketball. So yeah, it's not even a, it's not even a apples to apples comparison. I think the dribble, dribble, dri- dribble reason is one of the reasons why. So uh, back to what I was going to MVP odds. So Joel Embiid was looking like the runaway MVP for back to back year. End up getting hurt. Okay. He's uh he's probably not going to win it because he's going to play less than sixty five games. And that's the new rule, that's right? That's the new rule. Yeah. <laughs> Jalen Brown was offended by that rule, by the way. Do you know that? Uh, I did not know. He thought it was too many games to be asked to play. 65. That's odd for him because he usually yeah. plays more than that. I know. That's your guy, too, one of your guys. So, uh, look, looking like he's uh, going to run away with it this year is Nikola Jokic. Should have won it last year. Should have, Yeah. For This will be his third if he wins it this year. Uh, another guy is Shea, who might win it. I like him. You know he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I love Jokic. He's... He reminds me of uh, how Arvidas Sabotis was in, introduced to us before we could watch video on him when he was in Russia. Mm-hmm. But Shea Gilgis Alexander is hidden out there in OKC, six six point guard. Uh, you know he, he scores, he rebounds, he finishes, he guards. Where did he play college basketball? Kentucky. Kentucky. He's got you know people can bang on Calipari, but what did you say he had like fourteen All Stars this year? Yeah, that's kind of hard since there's a limit to the number. He had like forty percent of the All Stars, so. Um, you know, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, Cat. Uh, there's a lot of good Kentucky guys in the NBA, so I think uh, we should probably leave John Calipari alone, let him coach. So, okay, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, what's your thoughts on him? Uh, I think he's having a phenomenal year. He had a breakout year last year where he started scoring He started scoring higher than he ever has. He's having a better year this year. He's a more well-rounded year, and obviously OKC's winning more this year. What's he? Early, he's got to be early 20s, right, 23? I think he's the same age as Tatum. And what's Tatum? He's 26. 25. Oh, is he that? Okay. And then who you got next? So, right. so Jokic is the favorite. Yeah. He's negative odds. So, and then uh, SGA is not too far behind him. Who you got next? Who's next you? is uh, plus 700, Luka Doncic. Uh, okay. Obviously, Luka's always going to be in the conversation. This this could be in the year he wins it. I, However, unlikely. They're, they're having a better year than they had last year. Last year, they missed the playoffs. Look, this year, it's looked like they're going to sneak in at the four seed. Yeah. So, him and, him and Kyrie have definitely meshed better. So Yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough because Kyrie normally is ball dominant. Yeah. But he, he plays well off that ball, rebounds well for a small guard. We got a question the other day from, you know Will Withington, right? Mm-hmm. Jason, Kyler, and Cole's, Cole's dad. They play with us with one-on-one. He asked me a question. I've got to answer it on Facebook, but I'll give him a little shout here. He asked me what my thoughts were on why Luca is such a good offensive player. And I've got two two quick things. Again, this is for young kids in the audience. You can agree or disagree if you want. But he doesn't play at 100 miles an hour all the time. It's like the guy who goes out there and throws the fastball, tries to jack it up to you know 98 every single time. Eventually, you're going to catch up to it. He, he goes from medium to slow to above medium, sometimes fast. But he changes speeds better than anybody else in the NBA. He changes angles, not just his body, but the angle of his dribble. Um, shoulder height, waist height, knee height, better than anybody. But uh, And then the, the third thing with the skill set is his shot. He shoots his shot from so many different uh, release points. You know how we teach. Yeah. When you're young, you got to learn one release point. But once you perfect that, a guy like him, Maravich was the best at it. He could shoot the ball from many different angles because he knew if his eyes were locked in on something and his hands were in the right spot, his hands were going to find the line of his eyes. And he could shoot it at a 60-degree angle, a 45, an 80, whatever he had to do to get that ball in. 
and he could do it left-handed or right-handed. Luke is of that mold. Those are the skill things. But if you watch the, the principle that he does, when he catches the ball before he starts doing his dribble, even when he's dribbling, he has no interest in the guy guarding. He's not even paying attention to him because he knows at any point in time he can go by. And all the great offensive players do this. His eyes were on the next wave of defense. And the NBA right now does not have that second wave anymore to stop the mid-range. They have the rim protector, the three-point in between the field day. And he's made that his life. He starts his operation before he gets to the rim. And I think that's his, his secret sauce. I think when he catches, he's looking beyond the first guy. He's looking to see where the help's coming from. And he's attacking the, the lesser of the two defenders. And he's getting a shot off there. Or the guy who maybe he can shoot over the top of. So those that's my answer to, to Will. Uh, I told you I'd put it in writing, but I'll give you a shout-out. Make sure you can you can pull this up at probably the 34-minute mark and, and listen to it. But go ahead, Luca. Then who's after Luca? Uh, next is, I don't get this one, Giannis, uh, plus 1,000. Uh, I believe Tatum's having a slightly better year than he is, but I get why Giannis is up there. Uh, well, he's, Giannis? he's had a great year, obviously, statistically. He's always going to have a great year with Giannis. He's, uh, I think somewhere around 27 points. I think he's around 10 rebounds this year. So he's having a great year. Yeah. So every year we're going to see, we should see, we're going to see Jokic, we're going to see Luka, we're going to see Giannis. So there's yeah. no surprises. In there, maybe SGA is that a surprise for you? That uh, that, that he's been before the year. I would have that would have been a surprise for me. By your not, but not by your assessment because you've been high based on the the NBA recognizing that yeah. he's that good. Uh, wh- okay, and then you, who's last on your list? You're mad at this one. That's your guy. Yeah, uh, Tatum is uh, plus three uh, three thousand one hundred. That's uh, I've seen a lot of people say that he should be at least second. Uh, I understand that argument. I get why he's behind Shea and Luca. Why? Uh, well, he's Shea, having a great year. They're winning too. You no, know, they're winning. The argument for Tatum is he has he leads the best team in the NBA in points, rebounds, and assists, and they're probably going to win sixty five to sixty eight games this year. So that's the argument for him. The argument against them is he's on this most stacked roster in the NBA. Well, they're the good. Best four. Well, yeah, but you look at the Bucks. They have you know they have two All Stars there yeah. too. They had Lillard. And they had Giannis. Mm-hmm. That's that's why I think Tatum could be ahead of Giannis. And Jokic has Jokic and Murray and mm-hmm. um, Porter. Yeah, Michael Porter. And then who's the guy Gordon. they got from Orlando? Aaron Gordon. Gordon. That's a pretty good foursome right yeah. there. Um, you know, SGA. That they're young, but they they've got a great stacked young team. So I, I do think Boston did a good job. Tatum shouldn't be penalized no. for Boston having a good front office and. Those guys aren't like stars; they're just good players. Mm-hmm. I do like the Porzingis pickup. People yeah. hated that. I thought he, he's—it's he, unfair. Yeah, he's seven-one. He shoots the ball well beyond the three-point line. He can stretch the defense, and his presence has helped take the pressure. People thought it would take shots away from Tatum. I think it's made it more efficient, more effective. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, what do we got? What do we got next, if anything? Uh, I think we got everything. We got everything here. So we. Uh, We'll come back next week, and we'll have a little deeper look because we're getting close to March Madness. We'll be into, well, we'll be almost to March 1st, right? This will be the last week in February coming up. So we'll dive deeper into the conference tournaments next week. We'll definitely start getting you prepped for March Madness uh, coming up because I know you're doing that. I got a question for you to end it here. Yeah. They decided to talk about expanding the NCAA tournament now to 96 teams. So... What are your thoughts on that? They expanded it with the, you know, it used to be 32 way back. Mm-hmm. Then they went to 64. Then they did the, what the, 
next four, they call it. Yeah. I don't think anybody paid attention to those, to be honest with you. Um, now they're talking about 96 teams. What are your thoughts on that? I find that insane. I mean, obviously we've had some, like, Cinderella stories are some of the greatest things, greatest parts about March Madness. Like, uh, we had St. Peter's a couple years ago. That's one of the greatest parts, but I can't see adding 30 teams and they're going to be competitive. I mean, already half, half the teams. Yeah, I think it said 96. The complaint is people want access to the tournament. They want access to an opportunity to win a national championship. Well, you already have those 68 teams, no? Well, yeah, I mean, is that what... Every team that wins their conference gets in already. Yeah, so, <laughs> good point. They do have access, or they just have to win. Mm-hmm. That's that was kind of my. You, you put it in a different way than I did, but I like that point. My thought uh, on a similar sense is you're playing for a national championship. Mm-hmm. It's something exclusive. It plays right into what we talked earlier in the show, right? It circles yeah. back where it's not the bronze division, paper mache, medal, whatever you want to do. You you we're, we're, we stopped rewarding excellence. And just out of curiosity, what would your thoughts be on? why the powers to be would want to add it to 96. It's definitely to help the student athlete out, right? No, I, I can't. I don't think so. So, obviously, more games mean more money, obviously. They get more, uh, get put on more television networks. Yeah. CBS and True TV are going to get more money. That, that, uh, that's my opinion on it. And never underestimate the NCAA's ability to screw something up. Mm-hmm. So they will certainly put their foot in this one. And Now, if it were about the players, you know what their message would be? What? It ain't broke, don't fix it. They, but when it's about money, they want. Now, I wonder how much money the players are going to get. Yeah, I can't see. So, um, but anyway, yeah. So, But now, I mean, they did it with the college football. Now we're going to be playing college football into deep into January. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope they leave it alone. I really do. I think the access is perfectly fine. I don't even like the four extra in mm-hmm. right now. But uh, I and I, they're talking about the conference alignment to these super conferences right now. Yeah. And my message, in, in, some of the lower divisions were complaining it's too hard to get in, too hard. There's always Division two, right? Mm-hmm. It's too hard. You yeah. can always drop down. So, okay, well, I thought another good show today, 469 in the books. Make sure you you follow Millions, Jaw Bats, the Kinetic Arm, Monat, and then one-on-one. Uh, you can get their link for Twitter. We put it on our, our account and on our preview to the show. We appreciate your support, 68,000 plus. I think we're at 68,200 today, Tanner. We appreciate what you do for the network, 74 countries right now. Do you know how many countries are all in the world? 194. So I thought we were doing really good, but apparently we're, we're well over 100 shy of conquering the world. Here, yeah. so. um, but with that, the last episode of The Sauce uh, this week. It's our last show for the week. You'll hear us again next weekend, and that'll tune us up for March Madness again. Thanks again, Tanner. We appreciate you. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I am the sauce. Who got the sauce? I brought the sauce. Who made the sauce? I made the sauce. Who got the sauce? I got the sauce. What's in the sauce? I, I, I